Hello, you're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. So place your Bibles again this evening and turn to Jonah chapter 2. We're taking up the reading here from chapter 2 and verse 1 for English Bible where it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth clothed me round about, the weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of, of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and then vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Amen. This is the word of the Lord, and we trust a blessing to your hearts again uh, tonight. Uh, just at the outset of tonight's message, we should acknowledge that Jonah is a clear type of Christ. In his burial here, in the fish's belly, and then in his subsequent resurrection. The Lord Jesus shows that very, very clearly. Again, Matthew chapter 12, it says, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so we do acknowledge that when you study Jonah, you've got to take the time to see and consider the various ways in which Jonah would point forward uh, to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But at the same time, we realize that with all types, the types do not run through all the way. Again, we could say that uh, for Jonah to say that the great tempest comes uh, upon the mourners for his sake, well, of course, we know that Christ did no sin. And so as we see typological significance in Jonah, at the same point, we shouldn't forget that we're dealing with a man here. And we're examining the Lord's dealings with Jonah as a man. We might call him a, a backslider. Uh, we might refer to him as a man rebelling against the Lord. And clearly he's a man being used of God. He's a man that walked in communion with God. But as we see him in Jonah chapter 1, we see him as a man running from the face of God. Rebelling against the Lord's good and perfect will for him and also for the Ninevites. And so when you come to chapter 2, in light of that background of rebellion, we should see that chapter 2 shows the prayer of a penitent man on the road to recovery. 
We're seeing his repentance here in, in many, many ways. And we're seeing coming back to the way of obedience. There's a recovery to communion with God. A recovery to service. Not a recovery to perfection. Again, it's worth remembering that uh, perhaps in personal dealings you may see someone who fell away from the Lord, who comes back to the Lord and is restored, and we immediately expect perfection. Well, that wasn't the case with Jonah. Uh, There was a sense in which he's back uh, walking with the Lord, and yet there are still things that he has to deal with. Now, there are different ways to organize uh, the thoughts here. When you look at these ten verses, you can certainly see thoughts of lessons of afflictions, Lessons on prayer, lessons on restoration, all manner of things would come to the surface. But I want to look at these verses, particularly around the phrase in verse number 7. My soul fainted. And I think in some ways, when you see verse 7 and the fainting of Jonah's soul, there are lessons that come in light of that, that I think are edifying for us in our own particular circumstances Jonah's soul fainted. Again, that word fainted is a, it's a pretty vivid word. Again, in the original, it's used of Laban's cattle uh, in comparison to Jacob's cattle in Genesis chapter 30. And the word feeble is used there. Laban's cattle were more feeble than Jacob's. And so you get a sense of physical weakness. It's also used in Lamentations regarding the sucklings who are swooning. It's used as swooning and also then also fainting for hunger. And so you certainly get this idea of weakness attached with this word to faint. But the weakness is in part because Jonah is covered over. And that's the other way this word can be translated. It has this sense of covering. Hence, it's otherwise translated with the word overwhelmed. And that's how we see it particularly translated in the Psalms. Again, people rightly observe, we'll say more of this later on. They rightly read Jonah chapter 2 and they wonder which particular psalm is Jonah referring to. The language is, is so much like the language of the prayers of the psalmist. You get Psalm 62. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The heart overwhelmed in Psalm 61 and the verse number 2. Also Psalm 77. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Again, the sense of this word being used in connection with times of tremendous trouble. It is, in Psalm 102, referred to as a prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and poureth out his complaint before the Lord. I heard some of you men uh, joking this evening about complaining. Uh, And yes, we're slow to complain to each other, but we should certainly feel free to bring our complaints to the Lord. Those things that burden and trouble our souls. So much so that at times our complaints lead to the point that we are overwhelmed. Psalm 142. My spirit was overwhelmed within me. Psalm 143. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. So you get the sense of an overwhelmed heart that is faint and weak desolate. And these words, they all come uh, together in Jonah's experience. 
He's overwhelmed in his afflictions. And in light of his afflictions, he finds his heart weak and desolate before the Lord. It is a picture of a child of God in extreme circumstances. He's at the end of his strength and he's overwhelmed by his trouble. And so to begin with tonight, as you think of this, this theme of a fainting soul, note first of all the reasons for his fainting. The reasons for fainting. First of all, we should note that he faints because of the depths of his afflictions. And again, depths, I think, are a very appropriate way to describe his afflictions. He's overwhelmed. In fact, when you look at the text, you'll see that words are used that have this idea of overflowing and over-encompassing him in his condition. Jonah chapter 2, verse number 3. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about all thy billows, and thy waves passed over me. I see the language of afflictions here in, in very pictorial language of the waves coming over his soul as they came over his head physically. It is a sense of this all-encompassing trouble that Jonah is experiencing. Verse number 5, the waters compass me about even to the soul. This recognition that the afflictions he's suffering here aren't just affecting his body. He's not just feeling his ears heavy with the pressure of the water. He's feeling his soul weighed down as he finds himself going deeper and deeper into the depths of the sea. Verse 5 again, the depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. And yet he's saying these things are true for his soul. He goes down to the bottoms of the mountains. Again, he's crying out to God in the depths of his afflictions. He describes his place as being in the very belly of hell. Hell, there is the word sheol, likely refers to that of the grave. He finds himself so overwhelmed that it is at the very point of death. He's in death itself. That's how deep his afflictions are. But David again shows us that this experience is not just for those in the belly of the fish. So you might think to yourself here, well, I can understand why Jonah feels as he does. If I had done as he had done and been cast overboard from a ship and then swallowed up by a great fish and that fish is plummeting to the depths of the sea, well, we could certainly say, well, I get the point, Jonah. I can understand why you feel the way you feel. But the fact these words recur in the Psalms in so many times gives the indication that this sense of affliction and being in the depths of affliction is not just unique to Jonah. Afflictions come for various reasons, but we can come before God honestly and admit that times we feel overwhelmed. Christians don't get a pass from profoundly challenging afflictions, whereby they're challenged to the point of fainting. Again, it's vitally important that as a Christian church we keep an eye out for those who find themselves overwhelmed. That we pray for them earnestly that we seek to support them and encourage them. There are those in every church who come in times of need to the point that they are overwhelmed in their afflictions and their soul is fainting. But in Jonah's case particularly, the cause of his affliction is his departure from the Lord. 
So yes, the reason for fainting is the depth of his sufferings and afflictions, but ultimately it comes down to the part that he has departed from the Lord. And so chapter 2, verse 4, he says this, I am cast out of thy sight. There's his recognition of the source of his problems. He's come to realize that in his folly, he's walked away from the Lord, and now he's separate from God and from his grace. Why do we faint as the children of God? We faint because we have no strength, but where does our strength come from? It comes from the Lord. And so in times when we depart from the Lord and walk far from the Lord, it is no surprise that we find ourselves fainting, fainting. There's no prayer from Jonah in chapter 1. Even though in chapter 1 verse 6, the mariner tells and the shipmaster says, Arise, call upon thy gods. And Jonah does not heed those vitally important words. He ignores the words of this pagan shipmaster, and it's only in chapter 2 that you then get the sense, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God. We're being forced to see that his afflictions are coming in connection with his backsliding and in connection with his departing from the Lord. If I put it to you this way, Departing from the Lord leads to a fainting in the midst of our afflictions. Now, afflictions can come and overwhelm the soul of a man of strong faith. Afflictions don't just come to those who are running from God. Afflictions come to all manner of God's people for all manner of reasons. But you see here how afflictions can affect a man away from the Lord. That when someone's walking far from the Lord and those afflictions come, then those afflictions overwhelm them to the point that they're at the very end of themselves. And Jonah can say, my soul fainted. You see, we know that we find strength in our afflictions in the Lord. For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall walk and not faint. Our strength comes from the Lord in the midst of our afflictions. Jonah enters the belly of the fish, but he does so at a time when he's not walking with the Lord. And in this profound affliction, he finds his soul fainting. It is always the case that we must always hear the need to always walk humbly with the Lord. There will not be a day in your life when you can say to yourself, it doesn't matter if I don't walk with God today. It's always necessary to always walk humbly with the Lord at all times in every circumstance. In so doing, we receive strength in our afflictions. And we know God to bless us and enable us to walk with Him even in the depths of afflictions that overwhelm our souls. That's the reason, again, for this fainting. Secondly, please note His response to fainting. Verse number 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. There is the believer's response to fainting. Again, I understand it took very significant circumstances for Jonah to respond in this fashion. He's overwhelmed by this trouble, and in that sense of being overwhelmed, then he remembers the Lord. He remembers the Lord in his mercy. Jonah's clearly a man versed in scriptures. 
He knows the Psalms well. He undoubtedly knew other portions of God's Word. He would know the story of the Exodus and the coming of the people of God across the Jordan into the Promised Land. He would have known the stories of God's blessings in His people in former days. He knows His God to be a God of abundant loving kindness. He would know the story of Solomon and the building of the temple. We'll see that shortly. He knows his God, but as he remembers his God, what it really means is this. When my soul fainted, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee. When he says he remembers the Lord, what he's saying is, I remembered the Lord to pray. I remember to pray. And so in this response to fainting, we see the occasion of this prayer. He's praying He's praying in the fish, in the belly of this great fish. Again, I refuse to take the time to dig up scientific literature and accounts of various people who've been swallowed by great fish. They're out there, but too many people get distracted by the fish and don't see the greatness of the gods of heaven. And so your minds can be overwhelmed. What you're seeing here is a miracle. End off. It does not need to be an ordinary repeated event. It's a time when God steps in and does a miracle to preserve the life of his prophets. And so he finds himself, he's in the depth of Sheol, as it were, verse number 2. He finds himself at the very point of death. Where is he? He's in a place of absolute hopelessness, a place of absolute darkness, and yet a place where God's light shines. And he comes to remember God in his mercy, even in the depths of afflictions. Now, these are things we've got to understand. It may not be your present circumstance, but it may be in the future. It may be right now. You've got to remember that in the depths of despair, there is a way to God in the place of prayer. This is certainly an unusual prayer time. No prayer time like it in the Bible. We find Jonah in this situation, but the fact is recorded as a blessing to our souls. For in this prayer, we at least see there is no place too far from the ear of God. You never, ever want to walk away from the Lord. I would never want that from any of the congregation in this place. But I do want those who do depart from the Lord... To know that the Lord is accessible when we call upon him. This fine balance as a, as a pastor, you're continually trying to encourage people, don't fall back into sin, don't fall away. And then you, you want to encourage them, but if you do, your prayers can still get to God, no matter how far from God you go. But yet you don't want to encourage them to go away from God and, and, and test God in that sense. But there is the reality that there's no place too far from the ear of God. There's no time where it's too late to pray to God if the Lord moves your soul in that regard. If you're stirred to pray, the devil will often say to you, you should have prayed before now. Jonah's at the very end of himself. Can't get any worse than this. And he's still able to get to the ear of God. To put it another way, you can't sink too low for prayer. To call upon the Lord. There's also the direction of this prayer. The occasion, he's in the fish. The direction of the prayer, we're told twice, he's praying toward the temple. Verse number four, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Verse seven, my prayer come unto thee into thine holy 
temple. Why is this so important? Well, let me ask the question in a different way. What hope does Jonah have that God will hear his prayer? He's there due to his own sin. It's his own fault. And I've no doubt the devil could say to Jonah in that situation, you've no right to pray right now. You are where you are by your own stupid actions. How dare you pray to God? could also say that he's there due to God's sovereign chastening. He says that explicitly, verse number 3, saying to the Lord, Thou hast cast me into the deep. Not the sailors, but the God of heaven. You've cast me into the sea. The Lord fell on me. You sent the storm. The reason I'm in this fish right now is in God's sovereign will. Why pray then? It's God's will that I'm here. Again, some people take that wrong view of providence. They look at their circumstance. They say to themselves, well, I'm suffering because of God's sovereign will. Therefore, I should not pray to be released from my suffering. No. Jonah's showing us here it's entirely appropriate. Though he's in this difficulty because of his sin, and though he's in this difficulty due to God's sovereignty, yet it's still right to pray. But why does he hope in his prayer? Because of the temple. Looking to the temple is what gives him hope in his praying. See, the temple here, I'm praying toward the temple, takes us back to 1 Kings chapter 8. Now, it's a very interesting study to see how often 1 Kings chapter 8 and the dedication of the temple occurs in later history of the people of God for the captivity, for here in Jonah's situation, because as Solomon dedicates the temple, He says several times that God's people in various circumstances will pray toward this place. Verse number 29, that thine eyes, the Lord's eyes, may be open toward this house night and day. Verse number 30, and hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel when they shall pray toward this place. And hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and when thou hearest, forgive. Praying towards a temple was deeply seated into the faith of the children of God. Because the temple was where God was, and where God was willing to be heard. And it wasn't that they had to be there, they were encouraged, pray towards the temple. A God who's willing to hear and a God who's willing to forgive and be reconciled. Verse number 33, when the people of Israel be smitten down, when they shall confess thy name, when they shall pray, verse 34, then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy people. Why? Of course, because of sacrifice. Jonah's hope here is that God has said there's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin and the way back to God is a blood-sprinkled way. You come by way of sacrifice and you come by way of the mediator, Christ or high priest, Christ or sacrifice, who can reconcile God and man. That's what he's learning here in the temple. Hence he can say, salvation is of the Lord. Jonah has hope. Because he knows God. When I saw faints, I remember the Lord. His confidence is in the Lord. You see, prayer, when fainting, is an act of remembering. Remembering God, remembering his grace, and remembering his revelation of his willingness to forgive and to restore. 
Remembering in prayer involves going to Calvary. One man says this, The backslider who repents should say, Though I am the chief of sinners, who have crucified the Lord afresh and done despite the spirit of grace and sinned away my high privileges and mercies, yet will I look again to that sin-forgiving Jesus who receives returning prodigals and blotteth out numberless transgressions. That is our hope. That's Jonah's hope. And it's our hope in the place of prayer. The occasion, the direction, and finally the revelation that informs this prayer. This is, as I said, a scriptural prayer. He's praying out of the Psalms. Commentators observe that Jonah must have known the Psalms and applied the Psalms in his prayer. Not directly, but the language resonates with the language of the prayers of the children of God. Inspired prayers give us words to call unto the Lord. It's vital for our own prayer lives that we've saturated in the Word of God and we can use the Word of God to bring our petitions unto the Lord. So that's the reason for his fainting and the response to his fainting. And then just one point on this, the recovering out of his fainting. He's saved by God's grace. He's delivered out of his troubles and he is submissive to God's will. We'll come back to this next time, but we see that he's going to pay sacrifice unto the Lord and he's going to pay that which he vows. He's saved by God's grace. He's submissive to God's will. His restoration required the most unusual circumstances. You might ask the question, Why did it require such for God to restore Jonah? And you can answer that question looking towards Jonah in so many ways. But don't forget, God was willing to save the mariners. Jonah had to be restored this way because God had determined to put his prophet in the boat with those mariners. So, restorations are not always so dramatic. But the key thing is that someone is restored here. God knows how and when to do that, changing Jonah's heart. At least regarding the Lord. He submitted to the Lord's purposes. His heart's not quite there yet for the Ninevites. There's still work to be done. God's going to use an imperfect man. God's continually working in our souls, bringing us to our senses and leading us to likeness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is... Again, a remarkable event. In the fish, his soul faints. And out of that fish, the Lord deals with his heart and restores him to obedient service. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.